You've just entered the House of Meows. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at MouseMadnessPod or send us an email at MouseMadnessPodcast at gmail.com. Okay, Kyle, we got another four-legged bracket for the people this time around, and we had to have back our resident Mouse Madness animal expert, Nina, to help us with this episode. I'm back! Nina! (laughs) If it involves pets, Nina's probably going to be on the episode. All over it. Fur, four legs, I got you. Okay, so we are going to go ahead and hop right in. We already know who Nina is. She's been on the dog episode. If you haven't listened to the dog episode, head on over there and listen. But we're going to hop into our spoonful of sugar. Chris, what are you drinking over there? Okay, so there are some things that I hate, some things that I just kind of strongly dislike, some things that I just kind of can't really get behind, and... uh the Mandalorian is one of those things where, like, I don't, I, I think it's great. I think it's very well done. I'm happy it exists. I'm happy it's getting more episodes. But, like, I, I don't know. Just isn't, is not clicking with me. But I decided to drink this particular drink for the podcast listeners because I know everyone loves the Mandalorian right now. And this is a drink that is available at Trader Sam's on the secret menu. If you go up and you ask your bartender for a green drink, he will pour you, he or she will pour you a Baby Yoda-inspired beverage. Starts with a martini glass, and it's got Midori melon liquor, vodka, Malibu rum, pineapple juice, and little cherries, two little cherries floating around in it for eyes. And the whole thing is topped by two lime wedges on the glass for little Baby Yoda ears. I would highly, highly recommend that you guys make this drink because it's pretty good, but it's extremely easy. And it is extremely festive, and it's really fun to look at. So that is my Baby Yoda topical drink that I'm drinking today. What do you got, Kyle? Well, in honor of our episode, uh, I am drinking a good old White Claw. And we haven't really announced the episode bracket yet, but if you've read the title of this episode, you know exactly why I chose it. Wow. Nina, what are you drinking? Well, I'm feeling a little witchy. So I'm drinking some red wine. Okay. Why not? <laughs> Why not? It has It'll to do make with sense. <laughs> it has to do with one person on our bracket. Uh, spoonfuls of sugar in hand being consumed uh, as we speak. We're going to start off with a little bit of Disney news. This is addressing kind of a rumor. Nothing is confirmed, or there's really no evidence at all right now. But uh, we had an interesting little piece of news potentially come up. Um, I think this was posted somewhere on the Disney Reddit or something like that. Disney is looking at experimenting with escape rooms at the Walt Disney World Resort. So they're looking into you know creating Disney-themed escape room experiences that guests can do, or you know there are a lot of work conferences and retreats and team building um, things that happen 
at the Walt Disney World like hotel properties. And so they're thinking about, you know, throwing some escape rooms in there to round out their entertainment roster down there. So I think it's really cool. I've, I've done an escape room once before, and it was like the coolest thing ever. It was like murder mystery themed uh, on like a train. It's like murder on the Orient Express. And oh, that's fun. Oh, it was cool, but like I can't even imagine like a Disney themed one. So I, I kind of wanted to ask you guys what are some like Disney inspired escape rooms that you think would be really cool if they existed? Yeah, so I'll start us off. Um, I think a very cool escape room would be based on the fantastic Pixar movie Finding Nemo, and it would take place in the submarine where the sharks are having their anti-fish meeting. And you have to get out of the submarine once things go wrong. And so you know how like they're trying to find a way out and they have to do, to rely on finding a door some way and, and Dory finds the door that says escape. So we would also be having to solve all of these kind of riddles just like she had to solve the riddle of how to read and and how to pronounce that word you would have to be solving riddles along the way as if you're a helpless fish and the the intense part would be just like shark head popping out of you 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 take too long and right over the bookshelf shark head pop at you and you're trying to get out of there before the place blows up from one of the the floating balloon mine things um, and obviously the building doesn't actually blow up, but there will be a simulation of explosions outside the portholes. And that will mean that you took too long. So mine is going to be the submarine voyage escape room. <laughs> no, that's cool. I mean, like that's kind of where it excites me that Disney is doing something like this because it seems like so impossible to pull off. But like if Disney does it, they'll make it three times the price of a normal escape room, but you know the quality is going to be insane. Right. What about ex- escaping from the dentist fish tank? Is that yours? No, but I'm just, if you're finding Nemo, escaping, I think of the fish tank. Yeah, yeah like, you could be in one. one of those inflatable, like, Zorb balls. And <laughs> be, like, walking. <laughs> it's all underwater. <laughs> <laughs> you, you truly have to leave if you want to survive. <laughs> So I was thinking a Cave of Wonders escape room because that's kind of like the whole idea of the Cave of Wonders is like you got to go in, you got to find something, and then you got to get out. I I don't really know how you'd introduce like little riddles and like obstacles and like tiny puzzles and stuff, but I trust that they'd come up with a way to do it. Um, I think that would be a really cool one. It panders to the 90s Disney bias that is (laughs) running rampant through the world right now. Um, So I think people would be really into that, and myself included. I think think it would be really fun to, like, put yourself in the shoes of a main character in a Disney movie and kind of, like, do what they do, you know? Right, and I mean, like, you know how Abu can't touch the jewels? Like, that was the number one rule is don't touch the jewels. Just get the lamp and get out. Right. So you could have like a series of rules and some of the things that you need to accomplish throughout involve having to either break those rules or like get a, get around those rules. You know, like the 
the answer to opening the next door is around this ruby thing and you need to figure out how to solve the puzzle without disrupting the ruby or whatever yeah it's a good idea you know what would be your escape room um i came up with so many ideas i did not think any of them all the way through like you guys did or like you did kyle <laughs> but i i think my number one idea would be a tangled escape room and you're up in the tower trying to get out um but I've also got, I also thought about like Moana's uh, crazy, what is that? The, like the monster world that they're in? Yeah. Escaping from there and all the funny creatures that could potentially be in said escape room. Um, or Monsters, Inc. and all the doorways would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And of course you have all of the Marvel superhero ones and Star Wars ones. And um, I heard an Indiana Jones one. Oh, yeah. So that'd be someone good. said something about Indiana Jones online, which... I mean, those are all obvious ones that I think would be super cool. Indiana Jones in particular. Yeah, absolutely. So sick. Okay, well, I mean, we hope to see that hopefully come to fruition and, you know, hopefully make its way to downtown Disney and Anaheim and Disney Springs and Orlando. And, yeah, I think that would be be a cool addition to their uh, activity roster. Okay, so this week we sent... The interns down to the Disneyland Resort. We asked them for a specific demographic to survey for our topic tonight. Chris, who was that demographic? This is a demographic that is very, very close to my heart because it's one that someone in my family fits into. This demographic (laughs) was moms that didn't want to ride Space Mountain. Yeah, I don't know that my mom fits this demographic because i'm pretty sure she's the one that convinced me to go on space mountain for the first time if you go to like that little exit area to space mountain you will find all types of parents right just sitting chilling outside waiting for their party to (laughs) uh, deboard space mountain and most of them have like everyone's backpacks and stuffed animals and souvenirs and like the the pack mules for everything that the family didn't want to take on the ride. Uh, So yeah, they, uh, they surveyed moms that didn't want to ride space mountain because some moms get motion sick. They do. They do. And luckily the moms that didn't want to ride space mountain knew quite a bit about our topic. And that topic is drum roll, please. Best Disney cat. (laughs) we already did the dog episode you knew we had to come back with the cat episode uh there were 16 fantastic options that these moms who didn't want to hop on space mountain gave us but there were a few that missed the dance chris what's one that missed the dance uh, all in all, I would say I'm really impressed by by these moms' ability to name a lot of Disney cats because mm-hmm. honestly, like there aren't a whole lot of like main character cats no. that exist out there. Um, but they did a pretty good job. So one that did not make it onto the board was Isma, who is not necessarily like a cat entirely, but she becomes a cat momentarily in Emperor's New Groove when she drinks the vial. It's funny. It, all I can <laughs> say is like, it's a funny scene and Cat Yzma is hilarious. The entire find... scene 
like outside that waterfall when they're chasing the serum down is so funny. Is that my voice? (laughs) I'm not going to drop it, you fool. I'm going to drink it. And when I turn back into my beautiful self, I'm going to kill you. So yeah, Yzma, uh, I'm okay with Yzma not making the dance here. She's not really a cat. She's only a cat for a second. She only somewhat displays cat-like um, traits in that moment. Um, but yeah, good. I'm, I'm a fan of cat Yzma. Kyle, what, what was uh, another cat that missed the dance? So another cat that missed the dance, it's not very surprising because this cat's very not well-known. This is the kitten from the Lend the Paw Mickey short. And it's the kitten that's giving Pluto all kinds of trouble. And Pluto gets jealous of it. And it's just being a cute little kitten. And it makes sense that these moms that didn't want to go on Space Mountain didn't think of kitten in the first round because it's just a kitten from a four-minute short. So I understand it. But we've got 16 real good ones. All right, let's dive right into it. We'll start by announcing our final field of 16 for Best Disney Cat. Cue the dramatic music. Coming in with a number one seed. Surely he's mad about it. The Cheshire Cat. Everybody wants to be a cat. Coming in at number two, it is Thomas O'Malley. What is there to say about the number three seed from the Aristocats, Duchess? He's truly a cat because he hates fish. Coming in at number four from the movie Pinocchio, it's Figaro. This cat is out to prove that cats rule and dogs rule. Coming in at number five from Homeward Bound, Sassy. He's got a whole company with him. Coming in at number six, it's Oliver from the movie Oliver and Company. We got a package deal for the number seven seed from Lady and the Tramp, Psy and Am. Two little mice, what can you do? Coming in at the number eight seed from the Rescuers, it's Rufus. Y'all need to hide your stepkids and hide your mice. Coming in at the number nine seed from Cinderella, Lucifer. With the cutest little wave saying goodbye, coming in at number 10, it's Dinah from Alice in Wonderland. Will she put a bow on the competition? Coming in at number 11 from the Aristocats, Marie. Spent most of his movie as a cat, but he's really a human. Coming in at number 12 from Hocus Pocus, it's Thackeray Binks. New York's finest pigeon blackmailing feline. Coming in at number 13 from Bolt, Mittens. He's a little creepy, but the entire movie is. Coming in at number 14, it's Mr. Whiskers from Frankenweedy. Hi Diddly D coming in at number 15 from Pinocchio Gideon. He's a cat that can speak dog. Coming in at number 16 from the greatest movie that's ever been created, 101 Dalmatians. It is Sergeant Tips. <laughs> well, Chris, this is quite the, the bracket of cats here. Um, Nina, what are your initial thoughts? got a lot of great cats um it kind of seems like cats are a little underrated in disney so let's show the world how wonderful these little kitties are well it's interesting because cats 
in most of the in Disney movies are either viewed as like the the pet of someone who, in which they don't speak, or they're like one of the antagonists in the movie. They're kind of seen as this like mischievous dark character in a lot of Disney movies. But we got sixteen right here that it's gonna be pretty tough to battle them out. And so that being said. Let's get right to it with the number one versus number 16 matchup. Number one, Cheshire Cat from Alice in Wonderland. And number 16, it's my boy from the 101 Dalmatians, Sergeant Tibbs. All right, Alice in Wonderland. Alice comes across Cheshire Cat in the woods when she's trying to find the white rabbit, as she spends most of the movie doing. Um, the Cheshire Cat is extremely mischievous speaks in riddles, um, is not very helpful giving directions. They're not very clear, but they're they're insightful in a way. Um, and is magical, right? Cheshire Cat can disappear, can transform, seems to just kind of float and exist, but maybe not in the material world, but in this visceral, somewhat spiritual world. And yet, all of the characters in Wonderland recognize Cheshire Cat. And that's just Wonderland. There's no rules in Wonderland. So the Cheshire Cat can do whatever he wants. Sergeant Tibbs is a barn cat who is friends with a very hard-hearing dog and a very noble horse. And Sergeant Tibbs is brought into the 101 Dalmatians when they are doing the kind of uh, <laughs> Morse code bark call to try and alert London that these puppies are gone. And Sergeant Tibbs is helping the hard-hearing dog translate what the dogs are saying because Sergeant Tibbs understands dog, understands barking, knows how to break down the language of barking. And Sergeant Tibbs is the is, puts has no dog bias, obviously, and goes to save these what he thinks are 15 puppies and turns out to be uh, 101. And so I think if we're, if we're talking about what, what's best cat, um, Sergeant Tibbs exists in the, and what seems to be a, a re more realistically accurate world than the Cheshire cat. Um, and we don't get a whole lot of the Cheshire cat um, other than his, mischievous and and riddling ways so i right off the bat chris i'm hitting us with a 16-1 upset i'm moving on sergeant tibbs i agree with you that sergeant tibbs is a better portrayal of an actual cat um, and sergeant tibbs is realistic in his cat-like mannerisms right like when he goes into jesper and horace's hideout um He's a little bit jumpy. He makes some like cat screech noises at uh, when they like find him, um, and so I like that about Sergeant Tibbs in this matchup. Before we recorded, you texted me something like, "Is this gonna be like most cat-like? Is it gonna be just like best character?" <laughs> like, I don't know. And uh, my answer to that would be it's going to probably be a case-by-case, -case, like matchup-by-matchup -matchup thing for me. I don't think I'm going to be consistent yeah. in this at all. Um, no, I agree. So I think for this matchup, 
I agree with you in that respect, but I also think that the Cheshire Cat does display some cat-like qualities. As you said, he's very kind of mysterious and mischievous, which is a very cat-like trait. Um, I think he should get some credit for that. You know, when you're talking about Disney cats, like Nina said, there's not a whole lot of them, and they're they're pretty underrated. But Cheshire Cat is so iconic to not only Disney cats, but just Disney in general. His eyes and his smile and the way he talks and just his quirkiness, it's unforgettable. He's only in the movie, I think, three total scenes, and they're very, very short, yet he is, in my opinion, the most memorable part of Alice in Wonderland. And he gets a line in the movie, which is one of my favorite Disney lines ever, when he says, most everyone's mad here, you may notice that I'm not all there myself. I do not like Alice in Wonderland at all. I think it's a terrible movie. <laughs> if I remember correctly, I said that explicitly on the best Disney animated yes. movie bracket. I do not like this movie at all. Yes. But I do like the Cheshire Cat. And I do want to see more of him. You know, like I wish there was a little bit more Chessie. But on the mm -hmm. other hand, it's like his mysteriousness is what makes him attractive. You know, and it also sure. is what makes him cat-like. You know, he's one of those cats that's in and then out. And then in and then out. And it's like, you know, can you own a cat? You can't own the Cheshire cat because he's off doing his own thing 90% of the time. And, you know, he just shows up when he has to. I really like that about Cheshire cat. And um, I think I could be convinced to advance Urgent Tibbs over Cheshire cat here. But, but just based on fame alone, I think I'm advancing Cheshire cat here. I think he deserves to make it past the first round. And I swear I like 101 Dalmatians. I swear I like that movie. I swear I do. You know, this <laughs> this bracket seems to be very, or this uh, podcast seems to be very uh, anti-101 Dalmatians. I do not appreciate it. But Nina, you're breaking the tie right oh, off man. the bat. You got Cheshire Cat. You got Sergeant Tibbs. Hit us with it. In contrast to your beliefs about Alice in Wonderland, Chris, um, it's actually one of my favorite Disney movies. Um, I watched it recently because Kyle hadn't watched it in a while. And we also watched a little bit of 101 Dalmatians. And I, so everyone remembers the Cheshire Cat, um, but everyone forgets Mr. Tibbs. True. Very true. And when I watched the scenes again from both movies, I think you, people remember the Cheshire Cat, but he's in Alice in Wonderland a lot less than you remember him being versus Mr. Tibbs is in 101 Dalmatians a lot more than you realize he is. Mm -hmm. And he's very important for the plot versus, I mean, you could argue the same with the Cheshire cat because he creates the chaos that continues the momentum in the movie to some degree. But I think I like the Cheshire cat better, but I think Mr. Tibbs is more important in the movie in regards to moving the plot along so i think i'm gonna go with mr tibbs let Believe it be it or not, let it be but known i love the cheshire cat but the first time <laughs> in the history of this podcast possibly 101 dalmatians got out the first round no, cruella de vil okay cruella okay, de vil cruella, right. sure, sure 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 okay it's a painful decision but chris you brought up a lot of really interesting points how uh he cheshire cat may not embody what is a, t a traditional cat but takes on the qualities that 
is of a cat, you know? Um, I hadn't thought about it that way, and I'd be interested if any of the listeners have ever made that kind of, like, metaphoric translation. Sergeant Tibbs moves on. That means that we're heading straight down the bracket. We have number eight, Rufus, versus number nine, Lucifer. Let's start with Rufus. Some of our listeners, especially ones with 90s Disney bias, might not know who Rufus is, but Rufus is a cat (laughs) featured in the movie The Rescuers, which, you know... It's, it's not the best Disney movie, you know, but it's, 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 in, it's in there, you know. And Rufus <laughs> is a very minor character in this movie. Um, the movie centers around a couple of mice trying to rescue an orphan named Penny who was kidnapped by a really scary lady named Medusa. But um, <laughs> Rufus is like the orphanage cat, and he's only in one scene in the movie where the two main characters go to this orphanage to try to learn more about Penny and Rufus is there kind of like, (laughs) what's going on? Um, And I really, really like him uh, as a character and as a cat. He's an old, old, old cat, which um, there are no other really old cats on this bracket. So he's definitely got that going for him. Um, And he acts like an old cat. I mean, he cannot be bothered for anything and he's supposed to be a guard cat and he even says something like man like i'll get in trouble if they know you're in here but like you know he was just like sleeping you know he's just like a lazy old cat um which i think is great um it's a great character trait and also a great cat trait probably my favorite rufus moment is during the flashback when he's talking about um you know how penny used to be in the orphanage she gives him a hug and he tries to purr, but he's like so old that it like only like half comes out. It's like, it sounds so, I like laughed out loud at that. Um, I think that was great. Um, so I, I think he's one of those cats that does a really good job kind of like balancing the, the humanish characteristics also with, you know, the cat characteristics. Um, and he's up against Lucifer. Um, you know, Rufus is featured briefly in The Rescuers, but Lucifer is overly featured in Cinderella. And this is something me and Kyle have talked about before. Um, Cinderella really feels like it drags in a lot of places. And it's mostly because of Lucifer. There are all of these like extended cat chase scenes and mice versus cats. And um, he's just super annoying. Um, (laughs) If you want to talk about cat likeness, um, sure. Like he acts like a cat. Um, he's obsessed with trapping mice and he's really loyal to Lady Tremaine. He takes on a lot of her evil qualities. Um, he's at her side a lot and, you know, she loves like evil stroking Lucifer, um, which is cool, I guess, but he just annoys me so much that he cannot be redeemed. (laughs) I I cannot advance this cat. Um, I am, I'm, I'm exercising my bias, (laughs) by advancing Rufus over Lucifer in this round. That's what's going to make this bracket so funny is that, as you brought up last time, it's going to be very much just matchup by matchup. And because some of these are not like realistic cats and some very much are and some are humans that were turned into cats, like it's there, it's not a level playing field, but that's how brackets sometimes work in, in sports as well. It's not always a level playing field. So 
this is one of those instances where like Rufus and Luc- Lucifer both really embody realistic cats. Like, except for the fact that Rufus can talk to Penny and Penny understands and talks back to Rufus. Uh, Lucifer is just a cat. You're right. Parts of Cinderella do drag on because of Lucifer. However, the redeeming part of that for me is that I think some of the chase scenes with the mice are really funny. I think those characters are super funny. Um, And sometimes it's dragged on for a bit too long. I agree. But it gives you a moment to just laugh about these mice. They do a really great job with the mice. This is a cat bracket. What you were saying uh, Rufus embodying this like very old cat and he's even so old that he has accepted that he can't chase mice anymore and that he's going to ac- actually help out um, the rescuers to to lead them to Penny even though that's really all he does is kind of just be like yeah I can tell you what, what you want to know um, also Lucifer has like and Lucifer this could be what people think cats do in real life like lucifer is actively trying to get cinderella in trouble and like when she's sweeping the floor or cleaning the floor lucifer goes and gets his paws dirty and walks around the around the floor right after she cleaned it and like sure cats a thousand percent do that um but i agree with you chris i'm moving rufus on only because of the if i wanted a cat it would be rufus (laughs) it wouldn't be lucifer like Lucifer is chasing the mice who I think are incredible <laughs> and and Rufus is a kind old cat who just wants to exist like many kind old cats do. So I am moving Rufus on. So we're going to move right on down now that Rufus has made it on to number four, Figaro from Pinocchio versus number 13, Mittens from Bolt. Uh, Figaro lives in Geppetto's puppet shop. Um, Figaro, like many cats gets very jealous if the intention isn't on him. Uh, when Geppetto's making Pinocchio the puppet, uh, Figaro swats at it, and then Geppetto proceeds to like scare Figaro with it, which is very much something I would do with my cat. <laughs> a fish has a crush on him, Cleo, and he's too embarrassed. Uh, Figaro's too much of a cat to warm up to having friends, I guess, which many cats have problems doing. Um, but Figaro has his own, like, human bed. Figaro goes on adventures and ends up in the whale's mouth at one point and is, like, chill, survives. It's all good. And fun fact, Figaro becomes uh, Minnie's cat in later shorts after this movie comes out. So he lives a separate life outside of the Pinocchio world with as Minnie's pet. Mittens from Bolt uh, does not trust humans, does not want to be have an owner, uh, calls them masters and says that uh, animals shouldn't have them and uh, tries to convince Bolt not to go back to save Penny um, when he thinks Penny's in trouble. And it's just a very independent street cat, an alley cat. This one is really a toss-up for me because you kind of have this like very well-developed character in Mittens and then you have Figaro who's very two-dimensional just like it's a cat it's Figaro's just a cat nothing you don't get more out of Figaro than than the figure as a cat I think that because of that that leads to the downfall for him in this bracket because you see 
Mittens as the independent street cat, which many street cats are. And then you see Mittens start to warm up once she meets Penny and be- ends up becoming Penny's cat. And I think that happens a lot when you take like strays off the street. They have a, a time, there's a warming up period to their humans. And, and so like, even though Figaro also very much embodies a cat, there's a lot more to Mittens than meets the eye. I'm going with Mittens. Wow. Yeah, see, I did not think I was going to have to go to bat for Figaro this soon in the bracket, but well, Give it to here me. we are, and Give it to here me. we go. <laughs> you may remember, you will remember this too, Nina, but the winner of our dog bracket was Dante. Yes, and it to was. And to me, Figaro profiles almost exactly like Dante, right? Where this is a non-humanized version of a pet who displays so many accurate qualities, right? This is an example where I'm definitely going with which one of these characters is more like an actual cat. I see what you're saying with Mittens. I see it. Mm -hmm. But Figaro is so perfect. And I love it (laughs) because I hate Geppetto so much, (laughs) right? Geppetto is the one of the worst Disney characters and I hate him so much because he's such an idiot. Yeah, he's pretty garbage. And Figaro knows it. <laughs> he knows it. <laughs> like the your introduction to Figaro is Geppetto being like, We'll name him Pinocchio. What do you think of the name, Figaro? And he's like, No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh so you get that, right? Figaro is trying to sleep and Geppetto and Pinocchio are like chatting and Figaro like rolls over and it's like, God shut up. And Geppetto goes, hey, Figaro, close the window. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Also that. Like, he's like, hey, hey cat, wake up. Close the window. Like, oh, my God. I didn't know this was the cat's job. Like, <laughs> you're right there. Get up. He anyway, was right there. I hate him so much. Um, also, you have uh, Figaro inside Monstro. He's kind of like handling all the fish when Monstro like opens his mouth and all the fish swim in. Figaro's like throwing him in the box. He's the fish man, which he's a cat. Of course, he's the fish man. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also have the scene where they're waiting for Pinocchio to come home from school. He's not coming home. And he, Geppetto's like, oh, wait for Pinocchio. And Figaro's like, I want to eat this food, man. <laughs> you know, and he's like so mad about it. Um, and it's just so perfect. Um, it's he's so like defiant of everything he's grumpy um, but he also is really loving too towards Pinocchio and towards Geppetto he loves being pet he loves rubbing up against people when Pinocchio first kind of comes to life Figaro is very like timid and kind of like what what's going on here what's going on and then he realizes that like pinocchio is not a threat and so he's he's like rubbing around pinocchio's legs and like he loves being pet um by pinocchio and by geppetto which i mean this is a good sidekick this is a good cat it's an accurate cat it's funny it's well developed for a character that doesn't have any lines I absolutely love Figaro. Figaro is a stud cat to me in this bracket, and I'm sorry he's getting pushed to a tiebreaker right now. Mittens, <laughs> I think Mittens kind of suffers the same fate as Bolt did in our dog's bracket, where Mittens is a good character, but is humanized so much that you lose some of the cat qualities. Um, or, and you you might have to look a little bit too hard, maybe, to find those cat qualities. Um, 
So I'm 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 going with Figaro here, so it's going to Nina for tiebreak. Oh boy. <laughs> and we're back. And we're back. That's really great. I mean, Figaro is so cute. He gets in his little bed, he gets all cozy. Um, and I didn't realize all the things that he did in Pinocchio. <laughs> he was the man of the house. He's he's he's, he's the whole movie. He's in the Big whole movie. He's like he's always there and he's always doing something funny. <laughs> um and mitten so i have a they're both black cats i have bias for black cats because i love them so much um fun fact they're the last to get adopted in shelters because people are still scared of them i think i love the story of a street cat turned <laughs> people lover because it's literally my cat. Chris, this is your dog episode <laughs> all over. This is disappointing, so man. Sorry. This is disappointing. My cat came from the street. She hated me for two days, and now we're best friends almost. That's mittens. Wow. <laughs> See, this is but this is what I was saying that you made a good point about Cheshire Cat is like while. Mittens is overhumanized. Those human qualities are reflective of the type of cat Mittens is and turns into. I get it. I get it. I 100% get it. I'm just saying Figaro in my heart is the best cat. That's all I'm saying. Sorry. And I will die. I will die for this cat. (laughs) Going back to Dante, good point. But he was a street dog turned. Oh my god. Yeah, you could have seen that one coming. I love. You could have seen that. I love a rescued animal. <laughs> all right. Well, it's all right. It's all, you win some, you lose some. Figaro, sorry, bud, but we are moving on to number five, Sassy versus number twelve, Thackeray Binks. All right. So I will start by addressing Thackeray Binks. Um, Thackeray Binks is a cat featured in the movie Hocus Pocus. This is a movie we have not talked about on the Mass Madness podcast. So I would like to take this opportunity to publicly say that I hate this movie, Hocus Pocus. Oh my God. Hocus Pocus, I would rather watch Coco and Inside Out every day for the rest of my life than have to watch Hocus Pocus once. We literally have opposite taste in movies, Chris. This is a terrible film. I'm going to try not to talk too much about it because we're talking about Thackeray Binks. But Thackeray Binks is one of the primary reasons this movie is terrible. All right. This is a person turned into a cat. All right. Also, I feel like Thackeray Binks was like where the live action lady in the tramp technology originated from. It's like the body of a cat, but like his face is like, yeah, it's freaky. It is weird. All right. He's an annoying person cat right he doesn't even act like a cat he's just like a little annoying creature walking around i just hate him so much and then when he died and got run over by a truck i i I was like yes (laughs) yes thackeray binks is finally dead and then he came back to life anyways um sassy is great sassy is a real cat um and the only real cat that we have on this bracket that is like yeah. actual actual cat. I like that about her. Um, we had a couple of real dogs on the dog bracket. Sassy's our only real cat. Um, and I'll talk more about her next round. Um, I hate Thackeray Binks, so Sassy, advance. <laughs> Landslide. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to be with you on this one. Sassy's moving on. 
Thackeray is a human and not a real cat. He's been a cat for 300 years. Well, he... Uh, is, He's been a cat longer than Sassy has. <laughs> Sassy's moving on. Okay, we're going to hop across the bracket to number two, Thomas O'Malley versus number 15, Gideon. Um, to me, this one, Thomas O'Malley's moving on. I mean, Gideon is just the sidekick of uh, Honest John and doesn't really do, doesn't speak, um, is really dumb, uh, which are kind of almost opposite attributes of cats who notoriously speak a lot and they're fairly smart. So Gideon is, is fake cat, not moving him on. Thomas O'Malley moves on. I agree with you. Gideon is a throwaway character, throwaway sidekick, henchman, bad guy, cat. Yeah. Um, he's, funny. A- he's funny. He's funny. Funny to watch, but not not a whole lot of redeeming qualities to, to make him relevant on this bracket. That part of Pinocchio could have been so great if it was just Honest John. Like, just being conniving and, and manipulative without the like slapstick humor of Gideon, it would have been a, a masterpiece of a plot point. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Good take. Um, okay, so we will move Thomas O'Malley on with no argument. And we will move to number seven, Cyan Am versus number 10, Dinah. Um, now, Cyan Am are a pair of Siamese twins in the animated Lady and the Tramp. They were changed to a, another type of twin cats in the live action Lady and the Tramp where they were interior decorator cats and they were just like ruining <laughs> stuff because they were pretending to like not like the interior design, which I, I think I think it's good. <laughs> I think it's a good fix. It, it was a necessary <laughs> change, but it was it was a uh, they could have done something else <laughs> to change. Yeah. Um, I think that these cats are really iconic, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still in a lot of the cat marketing material. Um, and the song that they sing is extremely racist, but it's very <laughs> memorable and like everyone knows it. Um, and it's really the most memorable song in Lady and the Tramp, unfortunately. Um, this isn't that difficult for me, however, because they're going up against Dinah, who I think is a sneaky, really good cat. Um, you mentioned this moment at the very beginning of the podcast when we were going through the um, list of 16. Dinah does like a little paw wave when mm-hmm. Alice is falling down into Wonderland. Uh, Alice sees the white rabbit and she starts chasing after it, and Dinah kind of ch- starts chasing after her, like wait, what's this action? Where's this action? Yep. Where are we going? Mm-hmm. And then Alice tips over the edge and Dinah's like, psych, bye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, and Alice's like, Dinah, Dinah. And she, she's just like, later. Like, total, like, great cat move. Great cat move there. Uh, so definitely, definitely, definitely Dinah over Cyanam. I'm also moving Dinah on prince, based on principle. Um, but what I just realized and what might be kind of interesting, the paw wave uh, motion and animation, you know what movie came out right after Alice in Wonderland? No. Peter Pan. Oh. And there's a part where they're floating away and little boy says bye to Nana and Nana does the same exact movement. 
something tells me there is a little bit of reuse of animation going on there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was done in like the same way. But I agree. That part was super cute. Um, Dinah, that, I mean, you see Dinah again in the last literally 30 seconds of the movie because the movie ends so abruptly. Um, but she's a, she's a cat and she's not racist and therefore she moves on. It's crazy. All right, we're moving down. Number three, Duchess versus number 14, Mr. Whiskers. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Room, but Mr. Whiskers was electrocuted and ended up having powers. Mr. Whiskers, yes. So in the movie Frankenweenie, the kids in the movie want to replicate Victor Frankenstein's reanimation experiment. So the weird girl hooks up the instruments to a bat that Mr. Whiskers caught. Right. And as the lightning strikes the kite, Mr. Whiskers puts the bat in his mouth and then he is like electrified and like the bat DNA somehow fuses with his cat DNA and then he becomes a bat cat. Yes, that's right. That's what happened. Okay. (laughs) Duchess is from the Aristocats. Uh, Very high-class cat that meets Thomas O'Malley, who's supposed to be this rough-and-tough street cat. Duchess is the mother of Murray, plus other cats that were not super significant. Here's the thing, though. Like, Duchess, the entire movie, bugged me. And I don't know what it was. I think it was how... Like, there are very spoiled cats in this world, and I get it that they were trying to, like, take on people qualities of, of the of the demographics that they were representing. I get it. Um, but it was just, it was too much for me. And I, I just didn't like Duchess. Like I didn't, I don't know that I really liked a whole lot of the Aristocats in general. I don't, that movie just did not do it for me. Um, Mr. Whiskers is before it gets turned into this rat dragon thing is such like when people are are Mr. Whiskers looks like if he existed in real life would be like a meme cat. Right? <laughs> like he's this like super goofy looking cat with these big eyes that just like don't blink and is really creepy, but also like really endearing at the same time. I don't know why. Um and for like for whatever reason it that I just like that better than I like Duchess's like superior upper class catness it just that just bugged me and just like uh just like you hated uh, thackeray binks and hocus pocus i don't like duchess and the aristocats so i'm moving mr whiskers pre bat dragon on to the next round i am trying to think of some like redeeming qualities for duchess i kind of had a similar reaction when watching the aristocats she doesn't really do a whole lot she's just kind of a nice mom I guess she's yeah. fluffy. She's super fluffy. I would like to pet her. <laughs> uh, she get, must get points for that. Um, she's good. She's like a good, good cat. I don't know. Um, here's something I really like about Mr. Whiskers is the cat poop. Um, in the same way that Rufus is the only really old cat in this bracket, Mr. Whiskers is the only cat where you see his poop. Um, which <laughs> makes him realistic. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch Frank and Weenie. It's great. His whole character is introduced because he poops 
in the shape of letters yes. that is an omen. Um, yes. <laughs> it's great. It's interesting and it's unique and it's funny. And um, I'm voting for cat poop here. So uh, <laughs> we're advancing Mr. Whiskers over Duchess. It's fine by me. So we'll move down to our last round one matchup. Number six, Oliver versus number 11, Marie. This is a wash of a matchup for me. Um, Oliver, I think, is a pretty weak character, weak hero, weak cat. Um, the only time you really get um, a sense of like Oliver's catness is at the very beginning of the movie, he gets pulled out of a little bin where people are buying kittens, and he's walking around New York City, and he's really kind of scared of all the people, which is a feeling I can relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, and... <laughs> That's kind of where it stops after like the first three minutes of the movie. He hangs out with a bunch of dogs. He even starts barking at a couple points in the movie. Um, He just, he kind of becomes blah. And once they start focusing so much on like the people characters in Oliver and Company, he just like ceases to be relevant in any way at all. Mm -hmm. He's just like a cat. Um, So... I feel like I get like Oliver and Company and the Aristocats. Like I feel like they become the same movie at some point. What? Uh, yes. Someone's trying like. to like so get different. money. For... I don't know. Anyways, don't love Oliver. Don't love Marie either. She also doesn't really do that much. Um, she's a lot like Duchess in that she's like a cute white fluffy cat. She has a bow in her hair, which is cute. Um, mm-hmm. Like that. Um, She's very sheltered. She's not super street smart. Uh, she doesn't know how to swim. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll go with Marie, I guess, just because like I really don't like Oliver, and I would pet Marie, and I probably would not pet Oliver. So, before we started recording, I said Oliver is more like a dog than he is a cat. Like he grows up with dogs. He's doing all the street dog type things. He's like doing all the conniving, getting food kind of stuff and, and ends up, like you said, barking at one point. Marie is a cute little kitten. Uh, she has no street smarts because she is a kitten. And Oliver benefited from growing up with dogs to find his street smarts. Marie is literally just a kitten. Can't have street smarts because she is a kitten who grew up in a home. Um... And with you, Chris, I just, both of these movies, man, people love them, but I am, I I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Um, So, but regardless, uh, the upset is here for me as well. Number 11, Marie is moving on to the next round. Nina, we have our Elite Eight matchups. We haven't checked in with you in a while. Um, Give us a, a few of your thoughts here. You, in one fell swoop, eliminated two of my, like, low-key favorite movies aristocats and oliver ah. <laughs> so ah, we found the demographic it's just gone they're just, and and hocus pocus <laughs> they're all gone yeah i had i had thackeray banks going all get out of here way. get right you get right out of here oh my you were mistaken when you made that choice i'm sorry i am sorry about that all right well we are moving on to the elite eight everybody 
We are going to start over back on the other side of the bracket. We have number 16, the man from the 100-foot Dalmatians, Sergeant Tibbs, versus number 8, Rufus. This is the end of the road for 101 Dalmatians, everyone. If I, like, Sergeant Tibbs is a barn cat who speaks dog, right? He, he rescues all the puppies and stuff. If I'm thinking, though, like, who... And their characters really embodies a cat, and who, whose character is reflective of a, that of a cat. It's way more Rufus than it is Sergeant Tibbs. I don't think that cats can take direction as well as Sergeant Tibbs does. Sergeant Tibbs is literally a sergeant; like he's literally like second in command, get, is is in charge of leading this mission. Like cats do what they want to do. And, like, we're getting to the lead eight here. We got to start nitpicking. This is how I'm nitpicking these two. And Rufus is just an old cat. He's not going to chase mice because he's an old cat. Old cats don't care anymore. He doesn't care anymore. He's content with just being at this orphanage and just, like, being a, a, a companion to the revolving door of, of kits. Like, and that's great. He's a great, nice cat. And he's moving on for me. I honestly didn't want to say it because I know how much you love Sergeant Tibbs and 101 Dalmatians, <laughs> but I was going to say in the first round actually about him displaying kind of more dog-like qualities in being like a, a shepherd of sorts to the, mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. Dalmatians. Um, so I agree. I agree with that take. Um, so I also am going to advance Rufus. To the final four, Rufus from the Rescuers. All right, next Elite Eight matchup, we have number 13, Mittens from Bolt, versus number five, Sassy from Homeward Bound. If I was filling out this bracket by myself and I didn't have anyone else to help me, I would have put Figaro versus Sassy here, and this would have been essentially my my finals um, because I think Sassy is an extremely strong cat. Um and I will tell you all of the ways in which she is a strong cat right now. Sassy is extremely well-written character, extremely well-written cat. Shadow made it pretty far on the dog bracket, um, representing Homeward Bound. But if I remember correctly, his downfall, I think, was just overexposure. Like, he was so central to the plot of the movie that he hit diminishing marginal returns in his good dogness um and that was just his tragic flaw i guess sassy i think gets served just the right amount of time of the three pet characters in homeward bound sassy is like the third most featured and like the third most important so whenever she chimes in to like a situation whether it's like with a funny comment or an idea or something she is able to make it just like pure character like pure sassiness you know mm-hmm. um and i really love that about her good example is when they have the little wedding scene or dinner scene or whatever it is and um chance is talking about begging for food and sassy's like explaining to him that cats get food by not begging for food right. and pretending like they're not hungry so smart and so <laughs> genius and like so like evil cat yeah um 
and she and she loves it like she relishes in the fact that she just like schooled chance in that department um she came up with the whole cats rule dogs mm-hmm. rule thing which is like that's an iconic phrase that like people mm-hmm. say you know uh she's a pretty cat she's a himalayan right mm-hmm. yep like that um she doesn't know how to swim <laughs> She like goes into the river and like. Also, so can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. Basically, yeah. Just, just ruin the entire journey by not no. wanting. I was gonna say the footage. Oh, yeah. There, they actually put this cat in water, and it's terrifying. Yeah, um, but here's and she like washes up on the shore, and she looks like a cat carcass, but <laughs> she's alive because she's a cat and she has nine lives. It's great. Yeah. Okay. My favorite sassy moment in the whole movie is at the very end when, like, there's this, like, emotional reunion and, like, Shadow runs up to Peter and he's like, oh, Peter, I missed you so much. And, like, the little girl, like, grabs Sassy and she's like, ow, that's too tight. Like, stop, put me down. Like, it's great. Like, it is just so perfect cat. It's perfect sassy. It's hilarious. Um, I just love her, so going sassy over mittens for sure yeah i think that despite mittens being the this kind of embodiment of a cat that i was arguing in in the first first bracket there um sassy does it as well but sassy does it so much better um they're they're two of almost the same characters they just don't have the same character arc but they are extremely humanized cats um and the way they portray sassy is spot on and like mittens is very cartoonish cat obviously it's a cartoon sassy is very realistic cat but when you but just in cats in general like sassy does so much better of a job um being a cat and especially being a cat around dogs you notice that like Sassy's not afraid of them because when cats live with dogs they get acclimated and they they become used to them and become more of a uh, a friend of theirs, an antagonizer of theirs, and that's what Sassy does. And that's literally that's that's how cats are. So I agree with you, Socks. Uh, Sassy's moving on as well. Which brings us to our next elite eight matchup. It's number two, Thomas O'Malley versus number ten, Dinah. Uh, for me here, and this you may argue with this one. Um, it you just you get more Thomas. I think Dinah's screen time is like a minute 30 in the entire hour 18 movie. Um, Dinah's a cat. She's a good cat. Um, But you really get to see Thomas as a cat and how uh, he does a very good job at embodying a cat. Um, He's a a street cat. Um, He protects the kittens of Duchess like they're his own. Um, He, when he's threatened by the the human antagonist character there he gets very defensive and becomes very cat-like and attacks and and i you just get more cat out of thomas than you do out of dinah so i'm moving thomas along yeah when we started all of this your kind of first impression of the field was that most of the cats are like sidekicks or like they don't really do much and like i don't know they're kind of like quirky niche characters in the disney universe but Thomas O'Malley, I think, is kind of an overlooked like main character. Yeah. Um, and 
I don't really like the Aristocats, but like I wish Thomas O'Malley would get like his own movie or something because he's actually kind of an enjoyable character to watch and he's really like well fleshed out and like all of those character traits that we do get are very spot on cat. Um, like you said, and um, he gets a get good song that maybe we can talk about in the final four. Um, yeah, and and another interesting thing is is that we decided not to include um, like big cats yeah. in this bracket. So like no Simba, no Raja, no Bagheera. Um, but I think Thomas O'Malley kind of feels like one of those types of cats, yeah, you know, true. like he really kind of like is able to take control of situations and he has this confidence and this swagger about him that you don't really see in any other cats in this bracket. Yeah. Um, so pretty cool. So I, I agree that Thomas O'Malley, I think, uh, should advance to the final four. And that brings us to our last elite eight matchup. We have a number 14, Mr. Whiskers versus number 11, Marie <laughs> Super wow. weak quadrant of the bracket. Yeah. Um, I'm 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 voting for cat poop again, man. I'm going I'm going Mr. Whiskers final four. I don't even care, man. Like let's 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 see some chaos in this final four. Uh, I want to see Thomas O'Malley go head to head with Mr. Whiskers and his cat poop. See, here's what the thing is. We we purposely don't. I say this every bracket. We purposely don't define rules for each other because we want to make it as authentic as of a conversation as possible. And and I think this is where that benefits because, dude, I do not like the Aristocats movie. And Marie is just such... She's just Duchess, just a kid. And we already got Duchess out of the way. And Mr. Whiskers, as I said before, is like a meme cat. And we work on the internet, and I love me some memes. So I am also moving Mr. Whiskers on into the final four. Because why not? Nina, our final four is set. Thoughts? I think it's an unexpected final four um, for me, at least. <laughs> but I, I mean, I would agree with Mr. Whiskers is a very interesting cat, to say the, the least. Um, I am surprised that we got the rescuer's cat, Rufus, this far. I did not expect that at all. Um, although he's a good kitty. Yeah. Thomas O'Malley's great. Sassy's great. And another, yet again, Homeward Bound is just pushing their way into the final four every time they're mentioned. I love it. It's a good animal movie. Really good animal movie. It is. Really good movie in general. They drowned a cat. It's it's great. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you everyone for listening to the first half of our best Disney cats bracket. We got some homework to do. We got some movies to watch and rewatch. Thank you, as always, to Nina for joining us on this conversation. Don't forget, you guys want to reach out to us, rebuttal on any of these crazy, ridiculous cat poop arguments. Uh, you can send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at mousemadnesspod, or join our Discord chat, which is linked in the podcast description. We talk about all kinds of weird stuff on Discord. We got bracket ideas, we got memes, we got Trader Sam's recipes. Until next time. Everybody wants to be a cat. Cat's the only cat who knows where it's at. <laughs>